everyone and welcome to another edition of Meet the Creator. I'm going to be talking to E.L. Norrie about her new book which is called Fable House. So um, lovely to meet you Emma, very nice to see you here. Um, we do usually ask people to start with a reading if you wouldn't mind giving us a little bit of a taste of what the book's about. Yeah of course I'd love to. Hello everyone. Um, okay, so I'm going to read from not quite the beginning. This is where Heather, our main character, is being challenged by a couple of kids from the village. The girls' plaits whipped in the breeze. This land don't belong to you. She sounded so outraged, you'd think her own fair hands had built this whole place. My ma says you lot are an abomination. The boys spat on the ground. My dad says... The woman who runs that broken down old home is a freak, a weird old witch. Dad reckons you darkies should be put to work. Do something useful for us who put food in your bellies. I stared at the horrible globule of spit and leaned back on the stones a little, feeling, my, feeling their support and weight. A sharp edge dug into my lower back, forced my mouth open. I ain't working for no one, nor going anywhere neither. The girl's tight sneer vanished. Leave or, or, my throat burned with anger. I felt that if I opened my mouth any wider, I could scorch her with the fire from my heart. Or we'll make you, said the boy. He rolled up his sleeves and picked up a stone. He turned it over in his palm before throwing it close enough to hit my boot. I stared at the stone. With that first stone thrown, silence fell over us. A wisp of menace now on the wind. Decisions needed to be made, and fast. Fight or flight. Lightning quick, I rushed forward and bopped the girl on the nose. She staggered back, surprised, cupping her nose, eyes shiny with tears. Oh, I'd gone and done it now. I wish the cairn could swallow me whole. I was out here alone, and no one knew it. It was two against one. I prepared myself. No time for regrets. I crouched, preparing to tackle Red, take his legs out from under him, and then I'd run. Red lumbered forward, pulling his arm back, hand in a fist. Ow! He stumbled, whipping his head around as something glanced off his cheek. Bog off! cried a voice that I recognised. Arlene? I rolled back my shoulders and stood up straight. Arlene, Nat and Lloyd leaned out from behind the tree in the glade and raced towards us. I hadn't spoken much to any of them, really. Although me and Arlene shared a room... All I knew about her was that she liked to sing day and night. She loved having her hair done, always looking perfect. Her hair in fancy plaits tied with red ribbons and bows. Nat was nine and excitable as a puppy, always wanting to play, chattering away to the chickens and practising magic tricks to anyone who'd watch. And well, I'd already formed my theories about Lloyd. What were they doing here? I did not need rescuing. The girl screamed, no one wants you. Says who? shrieked Nat. Back fierce, his usual goofy grin wiped out. My ma says you lot should get lost. Striding forward, hands on hips, Arlene said, Bet your ma wishes she could get rid of you and all. You trying to be smart? the boy grunted, frowning. Arlene poked her tongue out. I don't really need to try. Red looked like he wanted to thrash her. Although the village kids were bigger and older, they exchanged a shifty glance like they must have known, sensed somehow, that they weren't a match for the four of us. Animals, the boy muttered, fluffing up dirt as he backed off. Roar, hollered Nat, 
hooking his fingers into claws and bearing his gnashes. I stifled a laugh. Come on, let's go, Mary. Bye, scary Mary, Arlene chirruped, giving her the Vs. Perfect. Thank you very much. There is nothing we enjoy more than listening to an author reading from their book. It's just such a delight. Such a delight. So um, to share with everybody else, so it's set in an orphanage, but it's a particular type of orphanage. So would you mind telling us about that and where the inspiration for it came from? Because I know there's an inspiration in real life where the orphanage came from, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so the project, the original idea, came to me via a lady called Jasmine Richards, who runs a company called Story Mix, that the whole kind of ethos is making sure that, you know, children of different minorities are seen as the heroes of their stories. Um, so she approached me about the project. But the inspiration behind it, we both did lots of research and it's a fascinating story. So Jasmine knew that she wanted to blend uh, Arthurian myth. But then we found out this place called Honeycoat House, which was an orphanage in the 1950s. And there's a whole section of history that I didn't know anything about. Um, there's been a book written by a woman called Lucy Bland called Britain's Brown Babies. And basically it tells the real life history of after the Second World War, there were white women who had had children with black American GIs and the US Army forbid the GIs to marry their girlfriends, you know, if they were wanting to get married. And over 2,000 babies were separated from their parents. Um, a thousand of them went on to be housed in orphanages around the country. And so Fable House is based on a real place called Honeycoat House um, that was an orphanage in the 50s. Yeah. And as you say, I knew nothing about this. No, me, not, me neither. Until I'd seen this Britain's Brown Babies and read about this book, um, a whole section of history fascinating that I absolutely knew nothing about. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I kind of, once you know something, it's really hard to not, you know, unknow it kind of thing. And I actually can't believe that, yeah, that it's been buried for so long, that history. No, no you, you cannot imagine a world where you'd have an orphanage just for mixed race babies because their parents weren't allowed to marry. It, it, it sounds like fiction. Doesn't it? Read about it. Yeah, it does. It does. And yeah. I think, I mean, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of fascinating because a lot of the children that were there in the 50s, so Honeycoat House, you know, we had to fictionalise a lot of things, obviously, but the real Honeycoat House was for babies, you know, baby babies and toddlers. Obviously, that's not going to work for a story where kids need to run around <laughs> and have agency, so we aged them up a lot. But the children that were there in the 50s, um, you know, they're still alive now as adults. Um, and there was a programme on about the war babies, the mixed-race babies, um, a few months ago, Oh, I think it was on Channel 4, but it's still available to be seen, I think, where and it was just really moving where, you know, people are trying to trace their fathers with some with some success, some not um, just a whole whole, you know, thousands of children not having that connection with their past, with their fathers, with their identity, with their race, um, you know, and I, and I grew up in care. So there was a lot of things I could deeply empathise with that kind of wove their way into the story. So, um, talk about Heather, our main protagonist, who I loved. I love Heather. Um, I think she's absolutely wonderful. And the way that she progresses mentally um, and in her outlook on life during the story is just a joy to see. So I've got to ask, is there any of you in Heather? 
<laughs> um, yes, there is. Um, yes, there is. I think um, the minute I started writing, writing the first chapter, I was inspired already by something that I'd gone through when I was kind of Heather's age, really, which was, you know, I grew up in a, a children's home and I do remember literally being chased around the place with a metal Afro comb that was agony with the staff who wanted to brush my hair, which was, you know, a huge Afro. And I didn't, that wasn't my favourite thing, getting my hair brushed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I do think that sometimes, you know, elements of who we are and people that we've met they all kind of feed into our characters if we're going to make 3d realistic characters that feel true and um yeah I was definitely drawing on my own childhood experiences to create Heather Abs yeah absolutely <laughs> kind of guessed kind of guessed that I, I absolutely loved the whole Arthurian legend slant to it as well um was that something that yourself as a child was interested in or did you have to do uh, research on that sort of thing um yeah no I wasn't a big fantasy or Arthurian myths fan as a child at all they just they weren't kind of on my radar really mm -hmm. um but I am I'm a fan now <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I mean I'd seen I knew the basics of King Arthur and Knights of the Round Table and had read you know a few things when I was little but kind of delving into the research reading different myths and legends um watching films watching inspiration and I you know I love retelling so I kind of watched a lot of Merlin the series and different film versions and um yeah I really I really got into it in the published book in the finished you know in this finished copy there's a bonus chapter that I had just you know free reign to write and that was fantastic choosing pal to tell the children a story of you know one of the most famous myths but then imagining that he was there um, so yeah, the, and the opportunity to sort of have a black knight because Palamedes, you know, is in the real mythology, he's a Saracen, so he definitely wasn't, you know, a white guy. And just to imagine those, his feelings of kind of being on the outside, but desperately trying to prove himself was also really appealing and kind of tied in with the children's journeys, you know, emotional journey as well, I think. I'm glad you mentioned that bonus chapter because I only received my physical copy yesterday. Okay. So I read it as an e-copy. So um, I kind of feel as though I've been given a little present because <laughs> I can I can sit there and read that bonus chapter now, which um, I haven't had the chance to do yet, which is fabulous. But some of the other things in the book, I mean, I think the production values of the book are, are wonderful. Um, I haven't also yet looked at all the symbols. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> if you could explain to the others what the symbols are for, because there's a symbol at the start of each chapter, isn't there? Yes, um, there's. Yes. So in in the in the story with the kind of magical element, there's a you know, there, without too many spoilers, but there's a book that Heather comes across, um, a kind of magical book. And also um, when the, the children are very influenced by the cairn, which is a tower of mysterious stones that kind of, you know, is where they find Pal and has a connection to another world um, and how they get access to that world symbols come into it quite a bit so yeah so at the beginning of each chapter there's a lovely illustration um, and there's a little symbol and I think as a reader you might find if you get the final copy and you you know take note of the symbols you know we all love a puzzle don't we, <laughs> we do indeed we do indeed and I, I shall be having a look later I will definitely be having a look later today because I didn't know that was there. The other thing I thought was great, actually, at the end of the book is the resources 
that are provided at the end of the book. Yeah. Uh, and that was, I think that's a fantastic idea. You know, if people want to find out more about the history behind it, et cetera, et cetera, there's some absolutely wonderful resources there as well. So, you know, just want to draw people's attention to that. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing, um, it's, it's been, it's been so amazing because the history side of it has just been really fascinating. Yeah. So, you know, at the end of June, Bloomsbury have organised an event and we're going to be, we're going to be at the Foundling Museum, which, you know, is a lovely, amazing place in London. If people don't know it, it's definitely worth a visit. Um, very moving, very inspirational. So we're doing an event at the Foundling Museum and I'm going to be on a panel like I feel a bit like, you know, <laughs> it's quite an honour. But I'm going to be on a panel with Lucy Bland, who wrote the book Britain's Brown Babies. And Chamian, who runs a museum, an online museum called the Mixed Museum, which at the moment has a massive, um, you know, exhibition about all about the Britain's Brown Babies. You can go into kind of each person's history, see loads of photographs, which I used, you know, as my inspiration throughout. And to, yeah, so the resources are great, but there's, you know, going to be events that are kind of linking in with that. And on the panel, there's going to be a lady called Anne Evans, who was an original brown baby. She was at Honeycoat House. Um, and to have those kind of, you know, people read my book and kind of appreciate the kind of research and the reality behind it, it's just bringing the knowledge and the history to a wider audience, I think, which is exciting, you know, really exciting, I think. It sounds it. But yeah, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it because I think it helps not just for, you know, not just for children, or, but anyone to sort of see things in context, really. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to kind of take those elements and obviously you know pal and king arthur isn't you know we haven't got an event with pal and king arthur i'm afraid but <laughs> that would be nice you know here's a change <laughs> uh yeah but um you know just kind of seeing those little elements of reality and how they kind of merge with fiction i think is always really interesting okay well as a last question i've got to ask this because i really really enjoyed the book this isn't going to be a standalone is it we are going to see more of the romas i hope um oh thank you very much that's very kind y yes there is a book two um there is just a book two there's not you know it's not a endless 10 book series or anything but yes I'm just finishing up edits on book two now so we definitely see more of the Romas I couldn't you know we couldn't just leave them there could we really no not really no this is it it, it seems as though we will want to know more about how things develop for them and what's going on so you've just made me very happy because <laughs> I'm really pleased that I'm going to be able to read another one about the Romas I thought as a group of friends when they come together they make such a good group because they've all got so many different strengths and and they are a source of strength for each other, aren't they? Which I think is it's just wonderful. It's a lovely portrayal of friendship as well. That's what I really liked. Oh, thank you. Yes, yeah, book two is coming next April. And um, yeah, very, you know, interesting seeing how those friendships strengthen, develop, if anything comes to, you know, get in between them. Yeah, it's great fun to write. Excellent. Well, I'm very much looking forward to reading that. And um, best of luck with the event at the end of the month. That sounds really great. Um, and thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us. And um, yeah, I would thoroughly recommend anyone that's watching to read it. It is fabulous. I really enjoyed it. Pure escapism. But I also love the fact that it taught me things that I didn't know about history and, and took me in different directions as well. So um, thank you very much, Emma. And it was lovely talking to you. 
Thank you very much, Bev. And I hope if anyone does read Fable House that you enjoy it because it's all about how we've got, you know, our own unique magic and, as Bev said, the power of friendship. Thank you.